Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number 2, and oil and find out. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey everybody, Aaron Noonan here. Great to have you with me again on another episode of the V8 Salute Podcast powered by Repco. My guest on the podcast this week is none other than seven times... Well, actually, you know what? I'm not going to read his resume because it will fill a whole episode. Let me just tell you, it's Jim Richardson. And yes, I know we had him on in 2019, but there's so much to talk about with Jim Richards. We could fill a whole series of podcasts. We won't do that, but... We've got him back to go again and talk through a whole bunch of stuff. And in fact, there's so much stuff that we've had to split the pod into two parts. So on this one, part one, we talk more stories about racing NASCAR at the Calder Park Thunderdome uh, and this part of his great career, which of course saw him crown a national NASCAR champion. We go really in-depth with a car that I know so many people love, the Sid Crow Mustang. It's the car that brought Jim to Australia in 1975, and, well, we never got rid of him ever since, did we? Uh, it's the car that gave him his career in Australia and is a special part. We talk about its build, its development, and, and what it did when it came here. And, of course, we also talk about the car that replaced it, the Falcon Sports sedan that he raced in the late 70s and early 80s. So here we go. Buckle up. It's time to start Jim Richards Part 1 on the V8 Sleuth Podcast, powered by Repco. We are back. We've been here before, Jim Richards, in the same seats, with the same microphones, in the same workshop. Um, thanks for having us back for part two. It's taken us two years to, to get here, but we've, we've got here. Is it that long ago? It's that long ago. <laughs> there's been a global pandemic. There's been motor racing shutdown. There's been – we've had a bit going on since we, since we last saw you. Um, we've, again, got a million questions from our yep. followers and listeners. We'll get to those a little bit later. We covered a lot of ground last time we chatted to the point where I almost forgot what we chatted about because it was so long ago. <laughs> um, first of all, though, how are you going? I'm sure our listeners want to know that first. No, good, good. It's, uh, it's the old story. When you, when you think of retirement, uh, you think of the, the guys that have retired before you and, and what are they doing? Oh, they're pining over the fact they retired and they just say, oh, God, you know, I'm having a bad time. I wish I could get back into it. But I've, I'm the opposite. I've, 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 I've semi-retired, yep. basically, but I could go and do a race in, in, a, in a Porsche of some kind on a hill climb or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm not missing the racing. And I, I live for it, like I, you know, every waking hour and, and dreaming about it for you know for 65 years. So now I'm at ease. It's just fantastic. I don't want to go to a racetrack. I've run watch on TV. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of TV, what's your go-to? Must not miss motor racing on TV at the moment. What, what's the category that you can't miss? Um, uh, I'm, um, MotoGP. Hard to beat. No, MotoGP and uh, Formula One, obviously, when it's, when it's an interesting race. Mm. But I followed Dan and things haven't been that interesting uh, lately. <laughs> Monza was good. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it helps too, I guess, Formula One that there's a big title fight going on. Yes. It's sort of take it's yes. a bit centre prost going on at the yeah. moment between yeah. Hamilton and um, and Verstappen, and they're having a blue every yeah. second weekend. I've, I've got to say, I started off not being a, a Hamilton fan, 
I mean, years ago. Why said, not? Why not? Because he was this young, brilliant upstart that was threatening the, uh, the, you know, the category of the older drivers, I suppose. But now I, th- I think he's changed along the way and I, I, and I do re- I really enjoy following him now. <laughs> Are you a fan of the fashion sense? Have you seen some no, of the gear no, he's got going yeah, on? No, no, but he, he can afford it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, he's, <laughs> he can do anything he likes. <laughs> <laughs> um, supercars, uh, you, you, you're keeping up to spec with what's going on there? Uh, a little I, bit. I, I, only, only just. Yeah. Only just. Yeah. I mean, um, it's the old story. I, mean, I love the fact that the young guys like Will Brown and Goddard and – and, and 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 forward and all the young guys are coming up, but you know, you, you, even when I was driving, I'd I'd watch the the, the races for other reasons than watching mm. me run round. Mm. But you know, the the Brocky, Alan Moffat, and all the guys, you know, you, you still hark back to, to when they were competitive. It seemed to be a better era. Yeah, but it wasn't. Yeah, you just think it's that way, you know. Rose-coloured glasses are yeah, interesting yeah, things, aren't yeah. they? Where everything was. Back at, better back in the day, but it depends what your day is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of when you're impressionably young, I yeah, guess. No. Is, is I, I think, in a way, I think that the V8 supercars is, is is not predictable. Is not the right word, but it's 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 too much the same. Every car's so, so much the same that if you don't qualify in the top, apart from Shane Van Gisbergen, <laughs> if you don't follow, you know, really qualify in the top ten at the at the, at the latest, uh, you're not going to have a good reasonable result. Because it's very hard to pass, but as I say, some some make it look easier than it is. <laughs> Speaking of Shane Van Gisbergen, he's kind of got the. I mean, he's had an amazing year, and we're recording this before Bathurst in 2021. So, um, who knows what's happened? No, exactly. the week just gone because we're recording it before it. We'll tell everyone that now. But I see a lot of he, you in him. He will drive anything. He's yeah. this year not just won supercars. He won the Bathurst six hour in a production car BMW, yep. the New Zealand Grand Prix in an open wheeler yep. from the pit lane. I think after he hit the firebomb on the exactly. warm up lap exactly. or whatever yeah. happened, yeah. he's not afraid to have a go at anything, and he's quite an unassuming in the same way that you have. I mean, different personalities on the no, whole, exactly, exactly. but I see a lot of similarities. He's the racer's racer. No, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think the first thing that a, that, a, that a star driver has got to get over is the fact that if he goes into a another class. Might be worried that he's not going to do any good, so so that stops him from going into it. But Shane goes into it, couldn't care if he comes last or first, mm. but he normally comes first. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, and that's the way that I took it as well. But I went to NASCAR. I'd never driven a NASCAR lap until I went out to Calder and thought, "Geez, this is you know, looks like good fun," and drove. And I may not have been the best out there, but I was reasonably good. And uh, the thrill is trying different things, trying different. Uh, uh, categories that uh, that that suit, and, and any different category is is, is a, a good place to be. I haven't seen him race a truck yet, though. So you've got oh, him covered. No, I've got a truck. Yeah, yeah, but you've done oh, it, but he oh, hasn't sorry. done sorry, it. Sorry, no, no, you no, got no, him covered. No, exactly. well, yeah, yeah. He might have a go at it now that we've said exactly. this. <laughs> it's it's funny you what you just raised then because it's one of the topics that's on the list. We did talk a bit NASCAR last time we caught up about the Suzuka race that you yep. did against Dale Earnhardt and. And some of those guys, and it's had a lot of great feedback. And since we did that chat, we can't claim credit. NASCAR loaded that race onto YouTube, oh, the video okay. of it. So yeah, we've been yeah. able to watch it since, and yeah. and and run through what we talked about. You could actually see what happened. How did you get into the the Thunderdome stuff, the NASCAR Oscar stuff? Was it purely your your Bob Jane connection from previously? Basically, it was. But uh, Bob was sponsoring two cars, one for Gricey uh, under the Fosters banner. 
and um, and another one which came out that may have been a Foster's car as well at some stage, but they bought two out and owned by a guy called Dick Midgley, mm. and he lives in Vancouver Island in Canada, and he used to go to the uh, the Winston Wests and the, and, the, and that one one tier down from NASCAR, but every now and again he would run in the in the, in the top ranking in, in NASCAR races in the yeah. Cup Series yeah. with a young pay pay as you go driver type of thing. So that they're never ever really. To be honest, that competitive because obviously Dick Dick had his his brother and his cousin and his his uncle and all, all doing the pit crew work and everything and it, and it just was a, a good great atmosphere, but probably was never going to get a, a result in the top cup car class. But um, Alan Coleman, uh, who's who was the um, director of Bob Jane's at the time, one of the directors, said to me one day, he said, George, you want to have a run a, run a NASCAR? And I said, oh, you wouldn't mind, wouldn't mind? Yeah, no, no, it'd be good. He said, well, we've got a car, and a guy brings it over. He's got two cars he leaves here and flies over for the meetings and everything, and we, we'd, we'd like to sponsor a car, uh, for, for, you know, for paying him to run one for you. So I said, yeah, yeah, no no, no problem. I'll take a drive. So the, I think the first, the first race that we went to that I drove the car at was Surface Paradise Road Circuit in about 19... 19- Ninety three, be, be the early nineties. Yeah, yeah. when the, the Gold first, Coast first fired, the first or second Gold Coast race. Mm. I'm pretty sure, but of course everyone went there, and the brakes were too small in the cars, and the, <laughs> the cars were too heavy, and the, everything. <laughs> but um, I hadn't even met Dick Midgley until the morning of um, documentation and, and, and practice. I walked down to the pit area because I was running. What was I running? I was running a car for Fredo at the same time. I think Commodore. I think anyway. Um, and, and the way Dick Midgley tells it was that uh, uh, Alan Coleman asked him to bring a car for this, this guy, a guy called Jim Richards. He said, I'd, you know, he said, I'd never, heard, never heard of him. And um, so he, he said to his um, crew of workers that he had, and he had a good group of Kiwi, uh, sorry, Kiwi, Aussie workers that worked on the car. And um, he said to the guys, uh, we've got to run a second car. Will you guys work on the car? And, and the guy that was organising the, the, the car and that was Warwick DeRose, who was a really lovely guy. And, and he had a, sort of a crew of guys around him that he sort of organised. And um, Dick said, oh, yeah, uh, you've got another car we can run, but it's a pain in the ass. And he asked Warwick, he said, well, what, Warwick said, what's, what's the guy, who is the guy that's going to drive it? And... Um, because yeah, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to just just prepare a car for no reason and have it crashed all the time. And da, 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 da. just some plonker yeah, bike yeah, is going to yeah. cause us grief. And so, he, so Dick said, well, some guy, uh, Jim, 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 Jim Rickards. Oh, you <laughs> Jim mean Rickards. Jim? You mean Jim Richards? And Dick says, yeah, that's the guy. Oh shit, no, we'll work on the car all you know all night for him. All <laughs> <laughs> right, He's, yeah. he goes good. I remember. I mean, I was a kid, but that whole era when the Thunderdome Calder was, you know, big, like yeah. there was. Touring car racing, the Thunderdome was being built, then was built the World Touring Car Championship yep. on the link track, yep. and then that big, huge. I think that first NASCAR race was the first NASCAR race outside of America. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I think it was February '88 from yep. memory. Dick Johnson, yourself, Gricey. Yep. What, what was the? Because it's completely foreign to anything that you'd done. I mean, you did a little bit of Speedway New Zealand, though, didn't you? But this oh, was a whole yeah, other yeah, world. Dirt, dirt track. Yeah, dirt, yeah. Dirt track. So like, you, like, you had gone round and round, yeah, but not yeah, quite yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so no, what was no. it like to get your head into gear? Of were you intimidated by the joint to start with? 
Not really intimidated, but of course, I, I was probably lucky that I had Dick Midgley, the, the Canadian team owner, came out for each meeting, obviously, and he would set the car up, and he, he knew ovals. So I, mean, I, I didn't have a clue. If the car understeered, I told him. If it oversteered, I told him. If it, you know, and all new terms like bite and push and, you know, all this sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> wedge, was that yeah, one of the ones they wrote? Yeah, yeah, wedge. And, and um, so the car was half all right to drive. It wasn't scary at all. But you always slowed the car down too much and then into, into each corner. So when you're blazing down the straight at 260k or 250k, whatever it was, and you, and you looked and the corner went around the thing, but it was banked and you had to get in your mind that if you laid that banking out flat on the road, it would be like a flat out big long corner. Mm. But when you put a banking on it and, it and it all tightens up, it looks a lot more daunting than it is actually. Yeah. So you go a lot faster around the corner than you thought you could. So it's a real mental <laughs> oh, hell thing. Yeah. Rather yeah, than a yeah. foot thing, it's more your brain to tell your foot exactly. that it can do exactly. it. Yeah. Exactly. Do, do you have to – I'm always interested in this. Are you driving in front of what you're seeing or you're trying to look out the top? I mean, with the way the NASCARs were going that way and the Oscars went the other way, you're almost looking at the top of the windscreen to yeah. sort of have an eye out to what's down the road a bit. Well, yes, you do, but, of course, you, you have your eye on the track going into the corner because there's nothing else in your vision type of thing. Just to, But as you get into the corner and slow the car, then you can look up and you're starting to come around, so then you can see if there's anyone spun or whatever, whatever. Um, but the other thing was you could get your foot on the throttle a lot earlier than you than you did put it on the throttle because you was just thinking, "Shit, am I out of control or am I what?" You know. <laughs> but uh, I, I I really loved it. Really loved it. It's amazing racing to look back on that scene. I mean, it only really ran for about ten years the NASCAR Oscar stuff here, but it was perfectly timed because touring cars was turbo cars. Yep. I reckon the punters kind of drifted away a bit from that a bit, and then all of a sudden there's this. It was like yep. a coliseum. Yeah, you could see the whole track. Yep. Noisy, big fields. Yep. Um, you know, NASCAR was a thing, but then they created Oscar, yes. so they were forty cars. Yep. Then they decided to let HQs, HQs loose. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> That's why there's no spare parts for those things to <laughs> yeah, float exactly, around. Exactly. Um, Sportsmen's were the old yeah, Oscars. Yeah. They built this whole yeah. show, but Bob must have spent so much. The prize. Oh, everyone used to tell me that the prize money and Brad Jones would know because he won money. a lot of it. They had miles too much prize money. He could just. Not, it got to the point where Bob couldn't keep paying the prize no, money. No, he needed to. He, like we we won a um, I think we won a hundred lap a good year one hundred or something like that. First prize was thirty five thousand dollars. No we, one was doing that in touring cars. No, but if he had had the first prize five thousand dollars, we all still would have gone there. Mm. And it spread the money down the field a little bit because a field's not a field without a full grid type of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. So the guys that couldn't afford it never won any money, mm. which is you know, the unfortunate part. Mm. Yeah. But um, I think that the real thing that sort of damaged NASCAR here was that the touring cars were so big, and the names like you know Brocky, Dick Johnson, all the all the different guys that starred in touring cars, the public needed to have them racing the cars. Mm. But they had unknown names racing. So who the hell's who the hell's? Um, I'm just trying to think of a name. Uh, Robin Best. I mean, who, who was a NASCAR champion? Who's that? You know? Yeah. But I mean, the man on the street didn't know who no, they were. No, but yeah. also they were winning. Yeah, and, yeah. And they were beating the so-called all those, all the superstars that came in and thought this is all good. Jesus, there's four guys in front of me I've never heard of. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that's why it didn't – one reason why it didn't continue on because the drivers wouldn't then go into it because mm. of the fact that they didn't want to 
find themselves running midfield when they're running quickest in the touring cars. I think Brocky turned up for a crack. He had a go in the Oscar one day yeah. in a Falcon. Um, and I think he turned up for a go in an Ascar one day. Yeah, no, he did. He had a, yeah, um, but he didn't race. He, no. he practiced, and I think he might have yeah. said, oh, you know what? This is- I've got an urgent meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Is that like the urgent meeting that he had the day that you and Crompton and he yeah, went motorbike yeah. riding that Crompo yeah, talks about yeah, in his book? Yeah, yeah. He gets halfway along on the bike ride, like motorcycle ride, yeah. not a push bike. And like he's ter- Crompton, stuck, stuck in a big puddle. Crompton said he turned up with Elmer Fudd overalls on and rubber boots and completely unprepared. No, exactly. Completely unprepared. Every lap in under a minute means every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Tick Attack. Supercars unforgettable. Uh, tell me about Oscar too, because uh, they were kind of the was sort of Formula Commodore for a while. But you, yeah, I remember yeah. you ran a Falcon with Mick Webb, and yeah, it was the yeah. Bib Stillwell car exactly. and yeah, XF, yeah. I think it was yeah. to begin with, and then the EAEBs yeah, yeah. a bit later on. It was huge. No, it, it was. It was it massive. Was massive, massive. Uh, entries. It was bloody good. Just sensational. Yeah, no. it, it's it, it, it's kind of the. The thing that could have been. Yeah. Like we yeah. had one big speedway. There was AIR in Adelaide. Yeah. yeah good short yeah, track boring yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Gold Coast. Yeah. But then the touring cars took over exactly, on the Gold Coast exactly. and NASCAR yeah, didn't get yeah, a look in. Yeah. If it, it kind of its success was its failure. Bob was mean. the bloke who funded it all to make yeah, it all happen. Yeah. But then I guess it got to the point where he couldn't keep funding no, exactly. it from the team arts business and everything I mean, the else. Fir- the, the first, the first the big, big international race that he had there with with, with all, all a lot of the not the super super superstars, but the the, the good front running NASCAR no drivers. names, yeah, no names, and he got great crowds. Yeah, but as as, as that, that didn't happen anymore, then the crowds got down. But I think you'd get an average of about four or five thousand, roughly, if, if that. Yeah, quite off. But yeah. when when they went under lights, that spurred it back up <laughs> yeah. in the early nineties yeah. when they put those big lights yeah. up there. Yeah, that because it was. It's funny now. It's I kind of think of it like what in cricket, we've seen T Twenty yeah. become the big thing, and it's nice and short and sharp, and it's. Yep. You know, it's over and done in three, four yep. hours. Yep. You can, you know, if you've got kids, you can take them and get home at a decent hour. And a night at Thunderdome was a bit like that. You yep. sort of got a bunch of races. There was no real gaps. Yep. Plenty of action, plenty yep. of noise. All right. 11 o'clock curfew would kick in if it no, ran exactly. too late. Right. Exactly. Everyone go yeah. home. Yeah. Perfect for the modern sports fan no, exactly. that's kind of got a shorter right. attention span. The, the so. trouble with it and a little, little bit over here was the fact that they had 150 lapper, let's say. Well, you, 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 there was, there, it was such that you didn't you didn't have to lead, and you had to look after your tyres, mm. and and so you didn't actually race. You just drove last, around for the last twenty laps. Yeah, so you drove around quite quickly as long as you could see the leader just you know up the front there, or if you were the leader, there'd be a stream behind you. Um, and then on the last tw- fifteen to twenty laps, way you'd go. Mm. But that that was a, a bit strange to get used to as well. But it was quite good because you knew you're pretty un- un- unlucky to have an accident in the first uh, hundred laps. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you're under control. But when it got uh, and sp- pit stops, of course, the guys uh, learning to, to change wheels and stuff on the on the run. <laughs> Some of the names that came out, and I know we're talking plenty of thunder here, but I know that our listeners love it because we get asked about yeah. it all the time. Um, the first race, I think, was won by Neil Bonnet, who yep. he, you know, he was a front-running sort of guy. Bobby Allison, who had won the Daytona 500 yep. that year, two weeks before, came down. Michael Waltrip was in the field, yep. who won Daytona yep. later yep. on, yep. twice. Morgan of course, the one that Dale Morgan Shepard was Morgan a regular. Um, 
there were a bunch of drivers. Yeah. I think Kyle Petty was in the first one. Yes. Richard Petty came out yeah. and did the tyre testing, yeah. but he exactly. didn't come and race. Exactly. But so we, you know, we oh, got yeah, some exactly. good. It'd yeah, be yeah. like the equivalent of getting a Kyle Larson yeah. and a, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, William yeah, Byron yeah. or, you yeah. know, some of those yeah. NASCAR yeah. Cup guys now coming out in the, no, exactly. the off-season exactly. and having a go at yeah. or even in among it all. So it's, a, it's an amazing oh, no. thing. It's just it's sad kind of what it became and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and what it did. Um, but the other thing that someone reminded me about this the other day, there was a NASCAR – uh, race at Bathurst that Russell Ingle won, but everyone forgets a couple of years before that, oh, a bunch of NASCARs went up there and did a demo at the touring car round, and you and Brad Jones and yeah. a few others. A NASCAR at Bathurst blows my mind. Yeah. It, no, was it as bad as it sounds? No, no. Was it good? The only problem was that the, the, the brakes weren't brilliant, but um, the, the car that I drove, according to the tyre size and the RPM and everything, was just over 300k down the straight. But you had to put the brakes on well before the the kink, <laughs> and, and those motors only had I think they only had about six hundred odd horsepower, um, maybe a little bit more. But of course now they've got nine hundred, eight hundred, nine hundred horsepower. Mm, mm. But it, it was good; they were good to drive. They rode the bumps really good, so there was no nervousness about the car. I, I thought it was good. I think we did a, 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 a um, one minute fourteen. 14 point. Oh, two minute 14. Two, sorry, two minute 14 point yeah, something. I, I, I think. Because I think up and down the hill, you'd be faster than a touring car for, in, in those years. for go. Yeah. I think, I think we, if, if you had taken the, the time we did and put it in the V8 field, we would have been mid, mm. midfield mm. on NASCAR. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a few blues at the Thunderdome over the years with other drivers because it kind of, that American background, yeah. gladiat- gladiatorial. Confined space, a few people lost their head at times. Um, I talked to Murph, I think it was earlier this year, and he said, oh, I asked him about his, he had a little go in NASCAR, and he said, yeah. oh, yeah, that's right. I spun Richo in Adelaide, in Adelaide International Raceway oh, one yeah. day, and I, I think he's still embarrassed about it, but clearly it hasn't <laughs> perturbed you because uh, you, you haven't mentioned it. No, so no, no, no. Not so bad, not so bad. Um, it it could have been, yeah, it's, it was all these lines intersecting that brought it undone. Yeah. Bob yeah. couldn't keep funding it. V8 supercars rose right, right at that time yeah, when Coco yeah, exactly. got yep. a hold of yep. it and really picked yep. it up. Yep. Um, but there's still amazing um, uh, fan base out yeah, there yeah, who, yeah, who, exactly. who love to hear yep. about the days of yep. the, the Thunderdome and the, the yep. racing and the NASCARs. And there's a few of them kicking around still yeah. that there's probably a few that have been cut up for sheet metal over the years, but there's, there's a couple uh, of them kicking around. But You've got lots of your old cars, but have you ever come across any of your old NASCARs or OSCARs or any oh, of that I, stuff? I would have. Well, I, I, um, the last car that we that we bought out here, I paid for because Dick didn't have any budget. Right. So was budget. that was that the Chevy Monte no, uh, Pontiac no, Grand Prix? Pontiac Grand Prix. That, that Pie Royal, the deep yes, yes, oh, brown colour, black colour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's um, and that one I would have liked to have, have kept because they're worth nothing. They're probably still no, those, that those, valuable no, either. You could probably the, grab one, all right. Yeah, but not that one because that one went to back with Dick to the states after he sort of moved out of Oz. Right. And uh, the first meeting, a young Japanese guy paid money to enter it and totaled it. Oh, it's Suzuka. Yeah. No, oh. no, no. Oh, over, in, over in America. America. Oh. He had a group of young guys from all over, not all over the world, but uh, Indonesia and, and Japan and that, who just pay the money, and Dick could take the car to the track. And they'd run it, mm. and if they damaged it, they paid for fixing. Whether or not they did, it, I don't know. <laughs> Whether it could be, but fixed it was just or not. it was un- un- unfixable. So I remember too that just as NASCAR was dying off here, 
they raced at the Grand Prix at Albert Park. Yep. And I think you drove for Ian Thomas in That's that right. Bright yep. Eyes. It was yeah. a brand new car yeah, from my memory, bullet, and you blitzed it. Brand new, yeah. Mm. Well, it didn't blitz them in actual fact. I think Kim Jane was Kim. very close. Yeah, yeah. I think Kim might have speared off. Anyway, one of them, yeah. But yeah. it was a, it was a magnificent car. I mean, mm. that would have been a nice car to keep too, because the colour scheme was was, was good. Is that and green and black, green and, and black, and yeah. the bright eyes, sunglasses, yeah, or something. yeah. But uh, no, no, it was good days. Oh well, I'm sure we'll have someone after this podcast dig out a car that they <laughs> claim is Jim's. Old this or old that or old Thunderdome. Um, there's so many things that we didn't cover last time we chatted, but there's so many things that we'll we'll get around to here. The Sidco Mustang is the cool car of, and because Mustangs back around in racing yeah. now too, and we're going to see it in Gen Three for supercars look a bit more like a Mustang should look. How did that? I remember seeing photos of. It being built, is it in, was it in a barn in New Zealand with in a barn, you yeah. poking up through the boot somewhere yeah, and yeah, you, yeah. the late Murray Bunn? Yeah. Uh, how did that whole thing start? Because it became this car that is the car that launched, well, launched you here to yeah, Australia. Yeah, exactly. But how did that whole car start and the Sid Chrome stuff and, and all well, that? Well, basically, the Sid Chrome stuff started when I was, I, I used to drive a, uh, a Monaro in production car racing and, and a Falcon HO, GDHO. Uh, and then those years, you were you really were brand agnostic there, weren't you? Well, you, you know, drove I, anything. You, I, I, you weren't I, particularly I, one one or the other, were you? Yeah, no, no, just did anything. But I, I drove three cars at one one race meeting, and <laughs> I had I'd have about twelve races. You'd be tired uh, by the end of that. Well, you didn't think of that. <laughs> as soon as it was over, you, 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 you sat down and had a couple of beers. <laughs> <laughs> Once it was over, of Once course. it was over, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But the Sigtrom thing came up where uh, there was a friend of mine who had a Hillman Imp. And he used to race it at the same races that I did, and I did at Langlia. And um, he only became a friend because he, he, he was he was in the racing category, so I didn't really know him that well, apart from when we went to the races. And he had a business uh, in New Zealand. He was a, a, an English gentleman, or a POM, and uh, he came from England, liking motorsport, and he specialised in Hillman Imps, general servicing, general repairs, everything. That was his go-to. What, what was uh, his name? Uh, Brian Patrick. Right. And um, he built those little imps to race like they had in, in England, which, which, which won the championship one year. Anyway, he, um, he had the imp, and he, he, he was sort of midfield, you know, like but battling on, and the little car was quick. And uh, then on Sundays, he, he, he wouldn't turn up. And I kept thinking he'd broken down or something. I said, what happened? Why, why, why didn't you hear on last, you know, the last meeting on, the, on Sunday? He said, oh, well, I'm, I'm a member of the, of the, the um Mormon community, as in church. So Sundays, and Sundays is, 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 no is, is no go. He said, "I can come out and um, we'll walk around the race, like, we walk around the pits and look after a car or whatever." I said, "Oh, geez, that's a shame." And he said to me, "Would you like to have a drive in my car?" I said, "Yeah, I'd love to." Mm, I do driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm a driver of some <laughs> some recognition, which, was, which I had none at that stage. <laughs> um, so he said, "I said, yeah, I'd love to." So anyway, the next meeting came out. We got got in it, and we were running in the front of the field. We won a few races, and had some some of the best races I've had in my career was in the naught to a thousand New Zealand Saloon Car Championship. <laughs> the the tiddly class, yeah, under a thousand cc. There was there was imps, minis. Um, that's about all. <laughs> <laughs> but lots of them. But oh yeah, like yeah. a 30, 40 car field. Jeez. Um, and, and the cars were, were immaculate, you know, prepared beautifully. And, of course, the little imp would get off the line like a freaking rocket. So whether you started on the first or second or third row didn't really matter. 
You've always you the first corner running. first, more or less, you know. Um, but uh, so that's how the Sitcram started. They they came and asked the advertising agency that that, that ran their their um, promotions department type of thing. Um, the guy that was the um, the uh, the account executive, I think of his name in a minute, Phil Mark. Phil Mark. Um, he had the Sitcram account, and they did no, nothing in racing up to, to now. <clears throat> and he came down one day to the, the to the pit area because he knew about racing, and said, "Oh, did you, I might be able to get you a little bit of sponsorship for, for the little limp. Would you, how'd you like that?" Talking to talking to Brian Patrick, not me. Mm. Uh, I said, yeah, yeah, that'd be good. So anyway, they gave him some money, and I, and I think it wasn't a lot of money because motor, motorsport didn't have any sponsors in those days. As I say, this is late '60s when sponsorships yeah, started no, no to come t- in. No TV, yeah. no, no. Yeah. So you, you know, like you couldn't go home and watch it on TV or mm. anything. Mm. So what value were they getting anyway? Um, so that, that's how the Sitcrome started uh, on the Little Hillman Imp, and we raced it under their colours for a couple of years, and then we decided uh, at the same time I was driving a Escort Twin Cam for a guy called Jim Carney, brilliant, lovely guy, real gentleman, and he was a, an English gentleman who'd come out to New Zealand to to build or, or oversee the building of the Marsden Point Auto Refinery. Mm-hmm. He worked for Shell International. So anyway, to cut a long story short, he who had nothing to do with car racing at all. Uh, met uh, the the lady that was his, his personal secretary at the Marsden Point, Mary Carney, or Mary Donald in her early day. She raced a car. So one day Jim just asked her if he, she would mind if he went along with her, just have a look what this motorsport's all about. So she was the racer and she, he was the hanger Yeah, yeah, yeah he right. was but Once he got there, he said, God, this is fantastic. I've got to get yeah, in. I've got to get a car. <laughs> He'd never driven a car fast in his life. <laughs> Uh, anyway, he, so he got a same as Mary. Got a got a, a twelve seven five or twelve nine three Mini Cooper S, and uh, joined the class. And away, away he went. And I was racing a little little thirteen hundred cc Escort at the time, coming coming sort of mid to rear field, but sort of you know, and then in, in the top fifteen, top dozen sometimes. Mm. So Jim was racing his car, which should have been winning, right? And he found himself racing me. And so we'd, we'd, we'd had some bloody fantastic races against each other. I'd go, he'd go down the straight like a freaking rocket, then I'd catch him on the brakes and on the fast corners, I'd catch him and then we'd, we'd swap positions. And after, you know, quite a few meetings of this, he said, oh, I've got to get a, I've got to get a better car. This is, you know, I, I, I want to be at the front. And so he, then he went and bought a Escort Twin Cam, which they just bought a group of them into, the, into New Zealand for. So he got the Escort, same deal. I made my Angler go, my Escort go a bit faster. And he was He's still hanging with out me. With you. Yeah. So he said, Oh, God damn it. That was his favorite saying. God damn it. He said, I, why don't you, Can you ever drive my car? I said, Yeah, no problem. So uh, we went to the Pukakabi short track meeting, which is a little track that used to be there. And I had a drive and I, I, I won. Beat, beat guys in his, car. in his car. Yeah. And he said, Oh, God, that was fantastic. He said, Listen, why don't you sell your car and you drive my car? And I'll actually. Pay the bills for the for any mechanical things, but you'd have to have to work on the you know your labour for nothing. I said, no problem, no problem. So he got the good driver with the good car, yeah, fused it together. Uh, I like winning. Let's keep doing it this exactly, way. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And so after a year, he he decided to buy a better Escort, and we went to England to buy uh, the John Willamont Group Championship winning Escort like saloon car, saloon of, car, yeah. twin cam, twin cam Escort. And uh, basically brought it back, and uh, then we we ran ran that car for, for a couple of years and won the championship, the the the, the, the up to four thousand two hundred cc class. 
Bit bigger than the thousand, like that's you step around. Bigger than thousand, yeah. I mean, I, I, the the amount of horsepower we had in, in those days, uh, the, the escort was was absolute rocket ship. It was a weapon. Had one hundred and sixty horsepower, <laughs> but weighed probably. You know, my my my, my Renault, Renault Clio that I used to have would have won the New Zealand Championship if it had been <laughs> had been made in nineteen sixty five. It's a bit modern. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but anyway, that's so that's how we started, and then we. We won the in races and that, so then we approached Sidchrome. So were they backing you still through this little period? They've done a little bit with the imp and then they've stayed uh, on with uh, the escort. Yeah, they- no, the escorts they, they weren't. No, yep. no. Yep. Um, but then we we, we 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 won the championships in the escort. Escort, and we said so we wanted to go and win the outright because each class had its own championship. We wanted to go the outright, not to six litre class, Oof. and that was all. The, there was Camaros, Firebirds, Mustangs. You're going to need another car here. Anything. Voxel Victors with V8 engines. Oh, anything. Geez. Anything. And we, we said, well, we'd, we'd, like, we'd, like to, we'd like to build a Mustang because Paul Fay was the, was the gun in the Mustangs, along with the other guys. But he was the guy, immaculate car, immaculate presentation, good sponsorship, and he did it right. But he had to, had to drive it right as well. Mm. He was a bloody good driver. So um, Murray Bunn and I, who we'd become friends over our, my apprenticeship, in the motor industry, and Murray was an was an apprentice motor engineer, so reconditioning engines. So we became friends because I needed his services. Your friends wisely, don't Rebuild the motors in the little Anglia, um, and uh, so we said, um, Phil, would, would you like to ask Sidcrome if they would be interested in sponsoring the Mustang for a, a couple of seasons to, to try and win the outright championship? And he says, yeah, yeah, I, I reckon I'd love to do that. He says, oh, hold on. He said, you got a proposal? I said, no, no, I'm, I've got nothing. I've got no money, no proposal. <laughs> but if you sign up, don't worry about that. I'll, I'll help I'll you there. Yeah. But what are you doing for a crust at this point to keep this going? Because you're work- not getting paid to drive no, race cars. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah. Working as a motor mechanic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I served my apprenticeship. It was a five-year apprenticeship. And uh, that's how I got into motorsport in the, in the very early days in go-karts. I used to walk home from school. And I passed this the shop called Speedway Auto Services. Belonged to a guy called Brian Yates, who raced three quarter midgets. Mm-hmm. And there'd be go-karts in the window. And I shit every time I'd, I'd, I'd go past them, I'd stop and Google and the guy came out and said, um, Do you like go-karts, do you? I said, Yeah, really great. He said, No, they're they're good. He said, come in, he said, come in and have a look at the midget. And he, this immaculate TQ midget he'd built. And he said, Do you want a job? Sweeping the floors. And I said, yeah, I'd love, love to. So then I, that's how I started sweeping the floors. This and, is, and this is what age? This is age 12, I suppose. Yeah, right. Basically. 13, maybe. <laughs> uh, anyway, the Mustang sponsorship, Phil said, uh, listen, I can sort you out a, uh, a little proposal. I'll, I'll run it by you before I put it in. He said, what, what's this going to cost them? And I, Murray and I had, Murray Bunn and I had figured out, and, and just to reinforce this next statement, you always ask for a lot less than you needed in case they said no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. ask for $100,000, they said, oh, no way. But you could have done it on 80. If you had sprung them with 80 start, for a start, they would have gone through with it, you yeah. know? So anyway, he said, uh, I said, well, we've got no, we've got no car, we've got no money, but enthusiasm and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll build the car and everything. 
So we had to go out and buy a car, buy a nearly new Mustang, Boss 302 Mustang. Road car. Off, off the, 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 the Colin Giltrap's yard in uh, Hamilton. Some of the Kiwis who are listening will know this. Yeah, yeah. Called Monaco Motors. Yeah. Very famous yes, I've heard car of it. sales who, who specialised in American performance cars and American cars back in the 60s. And um, so he said, well, yeah, okay, well, yeah, 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 yeah. How much money do you need? And I said, looked at Murray and I said, um, we need $12,000. Twelve grand? $12,000. And this is 1970. 70, 70, 71. Right. So 12 grand then is probably oh. 100 now maybe? I don't know. To you it was a decent yeah. amount of money that you felt, yeah. poor. it's a – Well, we had – we, 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 so yeah, they, anyway, Phil rang up one day, one day the next week and said, hey, guess what? I said, oh, they didn't want to do it. No, they're eager and they want to do it. Ooh. So we were, Murray and I, uh, we had to go and buy a car. We knew where a car was, bright yellow Boss 302, done about 5,000 miles or something anyway. Sitting in the car yard, ready Sitting to go. in the car yard. Yep. So how much of your 12 did you have to spend to get that? 5,500. All right, so you got, you got six and a half to then we, had to, then, then we had to strip it totally apart mm. and make it into a race car. <laughs> and, and Murray took a trip to America. To buy all the stuff and bring it back. Yeah. So we, we we did go over budget, probably a couple of thousand dollars, to be honest. Mm. But they didn't mind because they probably realised we want to win. Yeah. We've got to get the right thing. So we we, we, we got it built built. And was there a bit of secrecy in doing all well, this? Well, the only the only secrecy was that everyone, even now, you know, you, you can't just bowl in. Dick Johnson can't bowl into HRT. HRT. And, and just yeah. have a look around. Yeah. You know? What are you up to, guys? Yeah, exactly. Oh, could I have a look because over there? We all thought we had, you know, something that was going to give us an advantage. Yeah. Within the regulations, but some of that they hadn't thought of. Yeah. So Murray had a friend who had a um, a, a farm, and he had a had a, a little barn on it, and it was empty because it was had the, the hay season wasn't in. And so uh, anyway, we we bought the car, put the key in it, drove drove it home to this little farmhouse, little barn on the, this guy's property. And um, parked it in there and then continued to pull it back down to a shell. <laughs> we sold parts off it and, um, and then made a, Murray built a bigger engine and all sorts of stuff. So the first day we tested it at Pukekohe after it was, it was a runner, it was a goer, um, we had trouble with oil pressure. Every time we went up the, the, the straight under full power, the oil pressure went from 50 pounds slowly, 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 slowly down to 25 pounds. And then as soon as you stopped, it would zap up to – as soon as you stopped, it slowed down. Couldn't figure it. Anyway, Murray said, uh, I, reckon, I reckon it's oil starvation. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, it's not, it's not getting the, the, the force and everything, the, 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 the air-equipped uh, tube we've used is, is not big enough. It's not flowing enough. Not flowing enough fuel. Yeah. Anyway, so what he said was, I can, I, I can, I can have a go at this and just see if it'll work, and then we'll know. I said, "What are you going to do?" He says, I'm, "He says I'm going to get the oil tank from the boot, and I'll strap it into the passenger's compartment in the floor, and we'll get we'll go out and see if it loses oil pressure." I said, "Well, hang on, how are you going to how are you going to strap it there? Because I've got to go flat out." He said, um, "Oh, I said, I'll sit in the I'll sit in there and and hold the tank." <laughs> So you got this oil tank with, with like you know probably five, six, seven, or eight liters of oil in it, red hot. So we found an old rug we had in the back of the car, wrapped a rug around the oil tank. No seat. There was no, oh, no, he's just sitting no in seat. There. He's sitting on the, in, in the floor on another towel, and he's hanging on to the oil tank. 
because we had to come around the corner, the, the same straight as you see now, but of course didn't have the little chicane down the back end. Mm. Then accelerate down the straight. And Murray's hanging onto the 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 the, the, the dry sump can because what we'd done is we'd physically shortened the length that the, that the wheel had to go by a third by two thirds. So mm. it was was around the boot. Now it's right up on the footwell. So as we went up the straight, fifty pounds, fifty five pounds, fifty six, fifty eight, fixed it, sorted, sorted. So then, then we, we, we took it, took it back home and, uh, mounted them. I said, we, we don't want to have any, ever have any oil pressure trouble again. So we mounted the oil tank right beside the oil pump in the front of the car, which is the wrong place to have it. Mm. But we had great oil pressure. But it worked. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long winded story about how that all came about. <laughs> Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online. Thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. And it bowled out and instantly was a winner, or no, did, you, did you have problems with no, it? No, it didn't, and it's the old story. You, 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 we had a car that was, Oregon was built as good as anyone's out there, but you had this aura in that we'd come from a twin cam escort battling and beating some of the, the Mustangs and stuff there. But all of a sudden, you moved into the bigger league. Mm. You know, all of a sudden, she's here was Paul Faye, Rod Coppins, John Riley, Red Dawson, Spinner Black, you know, all these names that were famous in New Zealand at the time wore in these cars. And so the first time out, we, uh, we, had, a, we had a drama of some sort. Anyway, about the third or fourth race, in the series, was it Levin? Now, you heard of Levin? Heard of it, but never okay, been there. No, it's just it's about uh, 80k out of, out of Wellington. Fantastic, famous little circuit. It's not there now. It's going to rip it all up. It was a horse race course next to it. So I went to Levin, and we ended up, I'm pretty sure we were, we were quickest in practice, which, which was you know, a good thing to do, and went out and won the race. And they battled with Paul Fay and all the guys and, and won, not easy, but relatively. As soon as he won that race... Everything came together because you had the, the the knowledge that you're as good as anyone out there on the grid, and you could you could beat them. Now you wouldn't beat them all every time, but your confidence was up so that yeah, um, poor Faye, yeah, yeah, no, you know, we'll, we'll we'll be right. And then no, he beat me just many times as I beat him. But mm. but you, you had the confidence and the know you, the knowledge that you could compete and you could beat the best guys in the country. Mm. So that was that, I mean, that was great. I and mean, when it started to win, then we won the championship eventually. <laughs> it's an interesting point you make. Looking at lots of young drivers, and yep. not that long ago, Will Brown was a good example. To Toyota eighty sixes came from Toyota eighty sixes, <laughs> got all the way up, won a supercar race, yeah. and he held off Winkup and Van exactly. Gisbergen, who were exactly. right on his hammer. Exactly. They were the yep. Paul Fay was the guy. Exactly. You know, he was Jamie Winkup for exactly. you in the day. The exactly. guy that was exactly. you know the belief that it gives yep. you to go from. Yep. I want to do this. I'd like to do this. To all of a sudden, I you can don't, do this. You, you don't feel like you're uh, alien to it. You you're know, part you, of you, it. You, all of a sudden, bang! You're up there. Hey, hang on, mm. hey mate. Yeah, I can race you. No problem. What? So when you bowled that Mustang out, what size engine are we running here? It had a uh, 351, but board and stro- board and stroke to 360 cubic inch. Yeah, it was a 351 block everything, and it had Boss 302 steel cylinder heads. And downdraft four, downdraft IDA Webers on it. Yeah, 
And of course, we no one had a dynamo over there, and so we didn't know. So you don't know. No. Yeah, people say, "How much horsepower did but you Supra Mustang have?" You I would say, I would say, probably had 440, 50 horsepower. Yeah, rough, rough, roughly. But it was as much as anyone else had at the time. No one was pulling away. No from one was you. pulling away. Yeah. Type of thing. But you know, if you got right behind someone, you could sometimes not draft them, but just keep up with them. Vice versa, if someone's behind you, you could keep, you could stay in front of them. Mm. So, uh, so you know, it was, it was fantastic. And then all of a sudden, you know. Other you know, things happened from there. So how long did you race it for in New Zealand before the Aussie thing came up? A couple of years? Yeah, two, three years. Huh? Yeah, yeah. And well, then- one, one year we raced, the first year we raced, we only did half the, the meetings. And you had to go to, to do the, win the championship, you had to go on a, a circuit following the Tasman series mm. around the country. So you started in the North Island at Bay Park. You heard of Bay Park? Oh, I've heard of all yeah, these yeah, places yeah, yeah, but yeah, never yeah. been to them. Yeah, so Bay Park. Please explain for some yeah. of our listeners yeah. where they are or where Bay they used Park's to be. In, or- in Tauranga, now it's a huge um, residential estate. Um, then we go to Levin, down in 80k out of Wellington. And then we go down to Wellington over and across the boat and go to Lady Wigram, mm-hmm. which is in Christchurch. It was an, an Air Force base marked out with drums and, uh, and uh, hay high, bales. High tech. Yeah. Uh, and then we'd go to Teratonga, yep. which is Invercargill, mm-hmm. um, and then Timaru, which is coming back up the South Island. And this is every weekend Timaru. for no, – or yeah, spaced yes, out a bit. A weekend. Yeah, because Tasman was yep, consecutive. Yep, four or five out. weekends in a row. Mm. And that was the, the, the once-a-year type trip that everyone did. Mm. And uh, then we'd have other meetings at Pukekohe and, and Bay Park as, as and live in as well, but – but it was fantastic. Some of the best races we had was at Lady Wigram because of the air, air, airfield. And I can remember one time going, going down the going around the corner. It was called Bombay Corner because that's where the Bombay the, the bombs were kept in the bay for the planes. Makes sense there, there to was, me. There, yeah. was no, there was no bombs there. Yeah, so, all right, good. <laughs> but it was marked out. And going onto the the this Bombay Strait, the Strait, the Strait was the landing strip, yeah. and it was like as wide as this factory. You, know, you could like, fit plenty of cars wide. Well, there was four that I know of side by side trying to outbreak <laughs> each other. It, it was it was incredible. And the people were lined up probably 20 metres off the track and my mum and dad were there at the same time in a Volkswagen camper. They used to come along and sit on the roof of it. And uh, if a car had a speared off, it would have cleaned up 100 people. Oh, not a good place you know? to be. And uh, I've got a photo of Alan Moffat and, and I going around Bombay Corner, both, both crossed up, and my bonnet's deflecting. And then the reason I know how, how, how fast the corner was, the corner was like a 170-kilometre-hour corner because at Pukekohe we found that 170K, uh, 170K the bonnet would start, start to lift up. <laughs> so on this corner, there's bonnets all lifted up and cranked up and there's moths beside, right behind us. It was fantastic. So was he in his Mustang yeah. at this point? Yeah. So he'd come over and, yeah, yeah, and do yeah. that stuff in the early 70s. Yeah. Well. He, he, he would virtually come over nearly every, nearly every year of the last years that I was there. And he had the Mustang um, coat colours for a start. Then we went to Brute. And mm. then it was when we went to New Zealand, New Zealand shipping lines. Uh, yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah, that was the next uh, one. Later. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was Union that. shipping? Yes, or, union, yeah, 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 that's what I was Union shipping company. Before my time, but I've seen yep, the pictures yep, and yep. the models. And, and then it went to uh, Brute. Mm. And so he ran it in all those, that's probably three or four years in a yeah, row. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, John McCormick came over to NZ, Pete with the, Gagan. With the Charger? Yes. Yep. Uh, Pete Gagan, Norm Beachy, Frank Gardner in the Camaro. Mm. 
uh, and more that I just can't lay a finger on at the moment. So, so you got the yardsticks. So you, yes. you knew where you were so versus the Kiwi yeah, guys, so, yeah. but then you bring these guys over and you've got a pretty good idea yep, of where you're at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because we, we, we could we could beat the occasionally, not all the time, but we'd we'd, we'd beat the Aussie guys at, at some meetings. The boys would be battling with them. So I knew that we'd be competitive, but how competitive I didn't know. And you know, new tracks, never been there before, type mm. of thing. So, but those are the days, they say. <laughs> <laughs> they still say it. They still say it. At this point, are you getting well known in new? Well, in the racing circles, people starting to know who you are. But are you starting to see this as this is something that I can do more of than just for fun? That there might be something more to this. No, is not that, really. No, not no, even at that point where no, you're beating uh, and racing Alan Moffat. Yeah, but don't, and, don't forget there was hardly any TV. Yeah, right. So no one in New Zealand's so watching this on TV. Sponsorship was sort of, uh, you Primitive. know, uh, the, the guys that were winning got sponsorship because they they were winning type of thing. But but were promoters paying money? No, hell no. They no, didn't no. do that in New Zealand no, at that no, point. Mo- that was the, big here. The most money that you, you got in New Zealand to win a championship race from the promoters was 230 bucks. Right now, when I came to Australia, I got fifteen hundred bucks just to start on the grid, just to turn up, just to turn up. Yeah. Oh, how good is this? Oh, how hell. is this being? It's like a year, years, a years money in one meeting, <laughs> and I haven't even turned it up yet. How good? Yeah. And how was it that the that so over the time you clearly you're trying to make it better, you're trying to evolve yeah. it. That Mustang became a well, that race for about six years, five six years yeah. across Australia and New Zealand. What did you do to keep it competitive and find a way to keep Tune it up and find yeah, more. What we, did, what we did was, and the regulations in, in New Zealand were similar to, to here in, in a way, but um, when when we first raced it, it was it was all red and the stick trim down the side of it, there's photos around of it. Was it 102 the yeah. number on it? Why yeah, was no, it 102? 105. What, 105. The 102, 102 was on the escort. Mm. And then, anyway, uh, well, the, the reason why you, you, you rang the, uh, the Auckland Car Club, let's say, and said, I want a number for my car. And they said, well, what do you want? And all the, all the, the sort of the double. Digits. The low stuff's gone, and then they, yeah. you know, they say you have this one. One oh five. That was next in the so, queue. Yes, no problem. You, you, you didn't have a go-to number that was your one you asked for all the time, or yes. And then the end, that was one oh five. You just went, oh well, that's mine. Yeah, one oh five. Yeah. And the reason, it, and the reason it became one oh two was that Jim Carney's car was one oh two. So when I went to drive his car, I just took over his number. Yeah, right. Because it was e- yep. easier. Yep. Yep. Yeah. What else did you do to make that car quicker? Okay. How we, did you? How did we you moved the motor that back? We, yeah, we, right. we chopped chopped around inside. Moved Center the motor of back. gravity back. Yeah. It, it could it could uh, go back a foot, twelve inches. to move the motor back, which we did, and um, we put a new different body styling on it, so the flares were more aerodynamic. So it's pretty because you've taken it from a road car. Yeah. Could you? Did it evolve not just mechanically and performance, but in terms of the bigger flares, the the wings. Could you do more no. with it as it went, or was kind no, of at the start? I, I, only the flares. The flares yeah. only allowed two and a half inch flare either front and, and rear. Yeah, uh, but we made them a um, a, f- a fabricator guy, and I'll think of his name in a minute. <laughs> can't think of anyway. Uh, Robin. No, we'll come to later. Uh, yeah, so he came up and he made aluminium flares with lo- lo- like a Cologne Capri style of flare, which you can see on the photos of the Mustang. Yeah, yeah. And that was like it was when we brought it to Australia. Yeah. Before it came to Oz, you'd only do one meeting, one season in that guise. Before it was just a normal Mustang, 351 engine, da 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 da, four speed gearbox, Borg Warner gearbox. And uh, when we went to the other Mustang, the, the modified, 
We also upgraded to Gurney Westlake Heads, mm-hmm. aluminium Gurney Westlake Heads, which uh, I, I think gave it a bit more power, but not 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 much over the other, the other car. Mm. And that was fuel injected, so it had a bit of better performance going on. Uh, and when we came to Australia, eventually we dynoed an engine on John Shepherd's dyno down in South Melbourne, and it had 528 horsepower. Then you knew what you had finally then had then after we all those years. So we knew, we knew that in New Zealand we didn't have that much. Yeah. So we figured it had about 450. Knock a bit <laughs> off it. That's about the number. That's about yeah. What was it that got – I mean, it's been a pretty well-told story over the years, but let's do it again. How does the New Zealand bloke with the Sid Crow Mustang end up in Australia and never going home? Well, what happened was that Sid Crow, when we first built the, 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 the car, I felt it was only fair, silly of me, but uh, I, I did think that, that it was that Sid Crow could own the car. So I'm spending their money in sponsorship. Oh, okay. So you're not deeming well, this This is your and Murray's car and they're sponsoring you. No, you're going, well, they paid for it. They paid for the car. It's their car that we're using. Yes. Right, okay. Basically. Which a lot of people in motor racing would not play it that no, way. No, and, and I'm sure had we put that proposal to them, they would have been quite happy with it. They didn't want to run your race car. Yeah, what are they going to do? Anyway, anyway. The, the, the sponsorship from Sigtrum came to an end, right? Just that they'd done, they'd done it for five seasons, whatever it was, and um, but they still had this car. And so the guy I was working for at the time, Jerry Clayton, got together with the um, the Sigtrum personality in New Zealand, Stuart Innes, to buy the car. They, they'd cooked up this deal between them, which I didn't know about. But they were going to approach Sigtram in Australia and buy the car off them, but get Sigtram Australia then to sponsor the car in Aussie. And so Sigtram said they didn't want the car, so I said, sure, yeah, we'll sell the car, yeah, it's yours. Mm. Yeah, and we said, we'll sponsor it in, in Aussie as well. So that's how we got to first meeting we, we, we came over to was Sandown, July 75, mm. and um, ran there. So, it was, yeah, that's how it all, all started to get over there. And but we only, only attended coming for a couple of meetings. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. So I just, I just, I just b- b- bought a house. Uh, in, in New Zealand. In New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, had yeah. T- two kids. And um, I owed money everywhere. As in, you know, a car on HP house, you know, I'm on a mortgage. Fortunately, <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you talk about mortgages now, you, 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 you laugh. They're like, you know, oh, God. A house and land package, $17,000, you know. <laughs> Oh, uh, no. yeah, but so anyway, so for phase, yeah, no problem, no problem. So when, when I got over there and, and ran that meeting, then all of a sudden phone phone rang. I had to go and, to the late and how did it go? Did it go well, well at Sandown? Yeah, won won the two races. And this is up against um, Gardner and uh, no, uh, Frank was there, Janie was there, um, Pete Gagan. So you've, the, you've you've instantly yeah. raised eyebrows. People so, sort of more or less because. We, we qualified in the dry. We qualified fourth on the grid. And at this stage, we had the, the, the wide tyres. We had, we had 15-inch wide rear, rear rims and 12-inch wide front rims. The Aussie cars were only allowed 10-inch front, 10-inch rear. But the tyre on the rear was a cantilever tyre, so they had as much rubber on the road, mm. but they were a bit more wobbly, you might say. So anyway, they said we can run those tyres uh, for a meeting until you d- decide whether you're going to settle here or whatever. So uh, come the, the, the race, we're on the wider tyre, but not new tyres, they're just ones we'd bought from uh, New Zealand. And we qualified fourth. Uh, so, we, yep, no problem, that was fantastic. And so um, next day, race 
comes around, line up on the grid and starts pissing with the rain. So you change the tyres and get everything organised and went out and won the race and then won the second race. And from that point, that's when we started getting phone calls from Lakeside, Oran Park, WA. But we had no idea the distances. To get like, there. Like in a day, you could travel from the top of New Zealand to the bottom of the, the North Island, you know. That doesn't work here. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, we um, we had, well, we had 1500 bucks appearance money for Sandown. And so when the Lakeside was the next crowd to ring because it was all fitted in the calendar, and uh, Ian, um, uh, I can't think of his name, I should know, but I can't. Uh, anyway, um, they, they rang up, David Harding, it was. He promoted Lakeside mm-hmm. and Service Paradise. And he said, I'd love you to come up and, and, and have a race at Lakeside. We're going to have a match, we're a match race. We're going to have Pete Gagan, yourself, and Alan Moffat just match racing each other. And I said, yeah, yeah, we'd love to, you know, terrific. He said, oh, that's good. No, no, no problem. No, no. I said, um, I've, I've learned. He said, I said, by the way, how much will you pay us to get up there? Oh, um, what if you get here, two and a half grand? Oh. I said, yep, we'll be Hello, there. Hello, we'll be there. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's different. I guess we should, for maybe younger listeners, the concept of, I mean, it's so different now the landscape of racing, but in those days, Tracks ran their events, so if they yes. had a round of the touring cars or the sports sedans or a, a Formula Two, whatever. Yep. But they would, and you know, Moffat was the same, yep. and yep. they would pay for their, yep. you know, the attractions. To, exactly. I mean, eventually Cochrane and the supercar blokes sorted that out to do it as yep. a collective to go. Look, you pay the stars to yep. come and turn on the show, but in those days it was individual. Exactly. The track would. All right, we exactly. want Jim Richards and his yep. Mustang. Yep. We want Alan Moffat and his yep. Capri, yep. and we want Pete Gagan and his Monaro, and we want. You know, whatever Janie's got going, you know, they, you know, all right, you get this much because they're they're pulling the crowd exactly. But yeah. see, the 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 the, um, the thing was that you never really competed for any prize money. I, I never won any prize money, but you got paid. But to you go got paid to, to go there, yeah, 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 and that was more than what the prize money would have been. Mm. Mm. So yeah, so anyway, yeah, so then that's what it started, and so I rang Faye, my wife, and I said, uh, "Gee, was we we, we we probably almost make a living out of out of out of driving here." I said, well, I think we should give it a go for a year and see what happens. So she said, okay. So uh, she, she, her and, and um, uh, father-in-law and everyone packed the packed the house up in a container. <laughs> uh, we kept the house. We, we rented the house out. Uh, got the container ready and um, brought it over and shipped the family over and there we go. Job done. Never <laughs> left. Yeah. How brutal was the sports sedan era of the seventies? Like how competitive? How close? Some tough dudes, like in that oh, racing, yeah, and, yeah, the, yeah. and the cars were getting more. And you know, we ended up with that Corvair, yeah, and there was, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it went to a whole other level along the way. But you still found a way to keep the good old Mustang. Pumping yeah, along yeah, with exactly. It. But but you know, it wasn't like in those days. Like we re, we would run the motor for a year, wouldn't take it out. Like mm. you know, like nowadays they'd take the motor out every second meeting probably, and then have a look at it and rebuild, freshen. Yeah. Around, but yeah. um, the the drivers in, in those days, they knew they were. We all knew we were there to entertain the public, and we wanted to all wanted to win. But it wasn't a win at all costs, cut them down, string them up type deal. Mm. Uh, and and I, I hardly ever got a dent on the car. And and other guys around us, it's the same deal going. But you'd race side by side, give each other some room, you know, a bit like the guys on supercars do now. Occasionally, you know, they're side by side for the mm. next corner. Um, but it was great. But then it started to wane a little bit, you know, like guys got older and 
all of a sudden touring cars started to be there on the rise and because mm. Sportslands was this little premier class. It was huge. For a long time. Massive, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it pulled crowds uh, too. Well, Janie had the, which I was lucky enough to win, uh, the Marlborough $100,000 sports sedan series. Out of cooler. Just a cooler. Yeah. I've got it. There's a photo yeah, of that of yeah, you two there yeah. with the check. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we, did, we didn't win a race on the in the four races, um, but one overall because we finished in the top three more than another. And it was quite funny, actually. We, we um, The prize money we got, it wasn't $100,000. It was for the whole series. But it made it sound like it, it, was sound like it wasn't 100 to win. It was 100 yeah. across everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, for winning the series, I got a brand new HQ Monaro. Oh, sweet. Oh, off the Bob Jane car yard, no doubt. A new caravan off the Bob Jane caravan lot. A trip to Singapore. Oh, nice. And a boat. So no cash? No. Oh, hang on. So how was it 100 grand? Well, because every meeting, they paid, they paid uh, money on every meeting. Uh-huh. You got points. Right. Right. So it was a Marlborough $100,000 sports sedan series. So I suppose when you added up all the, the money that was there, it was the whole thing. It wasn't just for the drivers. Right. The whole yep. the, the game. Yeah, so I had to uh, – I sold everything. Sold the car, the boat, the caravan, the, 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 the airfare to Singapore. You cashed it all in. Cashed it all in just to get the bank balance back in the, back in the black. Uh, <laughs> one way to do it. Exactly. Done it, in, done it in one hit. At what point did it start to go – Oh, this is, we love this old car. This has been a great car for us, but uh, can't keep up anymore. We're going to have to do something different no, here. Well, that was probably in about um, 70, 76, 77. So you've got about six or seven years out of this thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah a, exactly. It's a good, yeah. good period yeah, of time. Yeah, yeah. And um, so Murray Bunn started to build a Falcon sports sedan in New Zealand. In his, in his so had shop. he come here with you or did he go back in, to Initially, initially yeah. Yeah, but then he didn't spend a lot of time here because he, he was running his reconditioning business. Um, so where were we up to? The, oh, I guess the Falcon's the next. Falcon. The, 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 so the I, I, went, I went, to, went to Ford yeah. Motor Company and asked them if they, they would make me some aluminium panels. Is it in Australia? In Australia. Or? Yeah. And the first they said, well, I don't think we can. Uh, but he said, because the, the aluminium is a different gauge, and when they, when they press the aluminium in the standard thing, it would get some tearing. So it would tear the edge of the, the panel. Mm. So he said, we'll give it a go. Mm. And so they did um, bonnet, boot, and doors for me in aluminium, and they worked out okay. We used them. Um, and then when we um, when we got the Falcon finished, we, we made another trip to the states and uh, met with Dan Gurney from All American Races, very famous, at, yeah. in his race shop where we had all the spare bits and pieces, and we bought a Hewlin transmissions and blocks and cylinder heads and gear gearbox diffs, all sorts off him, and we sat in his office. So this is a big deal. Like, this is Dan Gurney who had raced Formula One exactly. and Indy exactly. 500. What a, what a magnificent guy. You like, know, just, a legend of American motorsport. You must be pinching yourself at the oh, moment thinking, how the hell did yeah, I get here? Exactly. We, we, like, we were just with the spare parts guy. We were up in the, um, the loft uh, of, the, of the All-American races, and Murray spied these funny-looking cylinder heads and said, uh, what's, what's, what are those cylinder heads there? He said, oh, they're, they're, we made them for the um, – uh, the big sports car series. 
Can-Am. Can-Am. Yeah. Uh, and we tested them because Gurney was running a car, but they had a few problems, so we just, you know, we, we stopped stopped working on them. And they're a three-valve Westlake head. And anyway, we, so we, we, we tried to buy them, but he wanted a bit much money. But to get there, he said, oh, listen, I'll, I'll ask Dan if he can you know, bring the price down a bit. Blah, blah, blah. So he, he went and went away for a quarter hour, came back. Oh, Dan wants to, wants to see you. So we went to Dan's office, huge mahogany desk and everything, and sat down and had a really good chat with him and asked him about the heads. He said, yeah, well, listen, I would sell them to you. I've never sold any before because they were development, special development for Ford. Um, but I, I think he wanted uh, $3,800 or something, and we just that was, that was um, all our budget. So he said, no, no, we won't, and, and probably glad we didn't. Because they probably would have been a you know a pain in pain in the bum or and a headache you know, yeah. but just to do all that over there and 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 and, and travel around and go to all the the crankshaft builders and the you know cylinder head people, it was, it was terrific. Part of growing up. <laughs> <laughs> and that Falcon, um, I remember seeing photos of it white. Um, so the Corvette had come along too as well yep, at that stage. Yep. So you were trying to compete oh, with that. that oh, yeah, this exactly. was your response to, Gri- the, first to the Gricey season we, we, Garden. Yeah, Gricey had the car, drove the car. Frank started driving it. Mm. And when the um, I competed against Frank in the Corvair and the Mustang, now when the Corvair came, uh, sorry, when the change of ownership where Gricey got the Corvair, that was the first season that we ran, ran over here. And we, we ended up equal on points with Gricey for the Sports Sedan Championship. But he'd had one more second place more in points than I had. So although we'd got count the, back. yeah, count gotcha. back. Um, but uh, no, that was a fantastic car. But you know, like we never changed the spring, never changed anything in the car. Just drove it because we didn't have any money to develop it. <laughs> and the least least times we drove it, the more life it had at the end of the year. Yeah, you know? yeah. that's one way to look at so, it. Yeah. Uh, what bits did you put into that Falcon Sports sedan to to make it? Well, it had it had a it had the um, a thick wall three five one Cleveland block with gurney aluminium heads on it with fuel injected, which Murray made the fuel injection all for the for the car, the manifolds and everything, and um, that was that was all we did. So the the, the the Falcon Sports sedan had probably only as much power as the Mustang, mm. but it was probably two hundred and fifty kilos lighter. Uh, I remember we put on the scales the first time, and a complete car ready to race was um, a thousand kilos, Oof. which was not, not not bad, you know. And for the power it had, and, and, and that, it would have cut uh, the air a bit nicer than the could, Mustang. They, too. The, 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 the weight could have been a bit suspect because it was made at the at the, at the milk plant and taken any straight. <laughs> it was what the milk depot had the only scales around, so we, oh, had, right. to, so we had to trailer the the, 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 the car down, <laughs> take off the trailer. Put it on the milk depot scales to, to weigh it. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, high tech. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I, I have visions of it's a little bit before my time. I'm about to enter the earth as this is all happening. I remember it being photos of it white. Yep. But then later, wasn't it yellow and red pie audio? Yes, it was. That was later. That was the last yeah. year we drove and it. It grew a, a, a bigger wing on the back of it yeah, rather than the yeah, lip yeah, spoiler yeah, on the yeah. back. And, and, and that was, it, it wasn't the best car that that, that, that it was. Was all white with Big M on the back. Big M, that's right. And, and Bob Jane teammates on it, but it was white, two blue stripes down the middle of it, with Big M milk. Mm. And uh, but fr- from then on, we um, 
we didn't go backwards, but we didn't really go ahead because we had no money to mm. develop it. Yeah. Was it a car that never saw its full potential purely yes. because of that? It could have been bigger yes. and better. Yeah. If Frank Gardner had had it, I would say that it would have been a lot faster because mm. he would have tinkered with it and changed the springs and changed the shocks. We just pulled it together and put it on the track and shit, it's faster than the Mustang, that's good. Yeah, tick. <laughs> that was part one of our chat with Jim Richards and on part two, he reels off some ripping stories. We talk about how he ended up with a Bob Jane T-Marts franchise, some Formula 5000, Le Mans and his one trip there, racing Porsches, touring car masters and a pile more. He also tackles the National Motor Racing Museum couch racer questions. We talk memorabilia too, thanks to our friends at the Motorsport Trader. Don't forget the bookshop, bookshop.vhsleuth.com.au. The link is in the store notes. It's the place you can go for Christmas. Perfect motorsport presents for Rev Head fans of all ages, including the Junior Burgers. The Little Heroes book series that our friend Grant Rowley's put together, based on Peter Brock and Jim Richards, Molly Taylor, Dick Johnson and John Bauer, may be a good suggestion to suggest to Santa for Christmas this year. You can get them from our online bookshop as well as a whole pile of other great stock. Get in now, get it done, so we can get it in the mail for you for Christmas and it's not spluttering its way along with Australia Post a day or two before Christmas Eve. Get in now, get it sorted, get it done. Right, socials. You follow us on socials? You should. If you don't, you should. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they're the places that we hang out. They're the places that you'll find us. And, of course, subscribe to our newsletter too. You can do that through the V8 Sleuth website. Gives you links to all our latest stories. Gives you the ideas and um, gives you the knowledge of a couple of upcoming products and all the things that are happening in our world beyond just the website content as well. So uh, subscribe to that. You won't miss a thing. Uh, we only do a couple a week. We don't pester you with three a day or, or anything like that, so we don't go too far. So subscribe and be part of the V8 Sleuth family. Anyway, that's part one of Jim Richards done. That's another edition of the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Repco. Make sure, though, that you listen to part two. See you there. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online. Thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out.